Before we get to the podcast, I have a gift for you. I love bringing hope to you each week through this podcast. Hope is such a beautiful gift and one that I definitely like to share. For the times in my life when I needed hope, I open my Bible and allow God's Word to speak to me. As a gift of hope to you, I've created a prayer journal, Seven Days to Refuel Your Hope. This journal shares my journey through some of the most hopeless times in my life and the biblical verses that brought me back to hopefulness. My prayer for you is that this journal will help you to refuel, refresh, and realign your hope. You can download this free journal by visiting my website, dianebells.com, or clicking on the link in the show notes. you ever felt hopeless, like nothing good could ever happen again? Well, I have. And that's why I created the Hope Station. Each week, you will hear amazing stories of hope from people just like you. People who have transformed disastrous, disappointing, and depressing events in their lives into messages of hope. Turning tragedy to triumph, pain to purpose, crisis to new careers all through the power of hope. So sit back, relax, and pull into the Hope Station, the place where you can refuel, refresh, and realign your hopes and dreams. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Hope Station Podcast. Today, my guest is Tracy Herbert, whose story has deeply touched me. Courageous, inspirational, hopeful are just a few words I would use to describe Tracy. After being diagnosed at 17 with a life-altering and life-threatening disease, she challenged the limitations that others were putting onto her life. Rather than agreeing with the future they were writing, she decided to take control of her life and write the story that she wanted to live. This story included a long, healthy life with marriage and children and a career. Now Tracy is actively, and I do mean actively, living the life she designed. Tracy is a leading authority in diabetes and the author of three books. Her latest book, The Longevity Code, she wrote with her husband. Tracy has successfully lived with type 1 diabetes for over 40 years without any complication. That is a triumph in itself. Tracy is a trained wellness coach and certified personal trainer and helps to bring hope to people from all walks of life through her speaking, coaching, and writing. I'm so glad that Tracy took time out of her very busy schedule to pull into the Hope Station. Hello, I would like to welcome my guest today, Tracy Herbert, who has a story of hope. And she said that she has been providing hope for over, was it 42 years, 44? 44, (laughs) now 44 44 years. years. So how Mm -hmm. did this whole hope journey get started, Tracy? At 17 years old, I'm lying in an intensive care unit, 
and I'm struggling. I'm scared out of my mind. IV stuck in my veins. Noises going beep, beep, beep. You know, those weird noises that you hear right. as a kid. You're like, what is going on? The doctor walks in and he says, young lady, you've got juvenile diabetes. You're going to be dead in 20 years. You're going to die with horrible complications. You're going to go blind. You're going to have your legs amputated. Your kidneys are going to stop working. You have to go on dialysis and you're never going to be able to have any children. This is 17 years old. My whole life was ahead of me. And then he turned around and walked out of the hospital room. And I laid there for a minute in shock and I had no hope. He gave me a death sentence. Yes, he gave me a death sentence and no tools to help me over, you know, figure out what am I going to do? How am I going to survive this disease? And the the teenager and me, I'm like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to do everything possible. (laughs) So I started going into medical school library at our local, in our local area. And they let me in as a high school senior. And I started researching Mm -hmm. at 17 years old. That was way before the internet. And I've been researching ever (laughs) since, but the big turning point for me and Diane, I know you've had turning points too. We all have. But I went to a movie theater to watch Animal House, one of the best movies of all time, in my opinion. And my friends and I- have never seen that movie. I've seen that was. I've never watched the whole movie. So go ahead, tell me about Animal House. You've got to watch it. It's hilarious. Anyway, to to all of us high school kids, it was funny. So we went in and, you know, you meet all your friends. Everybody does this. You meet your friends out in the parking lot. Right. And you walk in and instantly- what do you smell? You smell popcorn and you see all the stuff that they have available. But I remembered as I was running out the door, my mom said, Tracy, remember, you can't eat anything. And I said, I know, I know. She didn't say it because I was poor. We were, we had plenty of money, but she said it to help me learn a discipline of a new life. You know, I'm giving myself shots several times a day, trying to figure this out, not knowing what in the world this diabetes was all about. And so it was my turn. All my friends were ordering, you know, the popcorn, the soft drinks and everything. And I walked up to the concession stand clerk and I said, could I have a cup? Because all I was going to do was fill up out of a drinking fountain so I could have a cup of water so I could be so different from my friends. Because, you know, as teenagers, we all want to be the same. Absolutely. And the concession stand clerk looked at me and she said, no. And I said, I'll be glad to pay for the cup. This was way before bottled water, way before diet soft drinks even. (laughs) And she said, no. And it was at that moment in my life, the utter desperation and despair. You know, I want to be a normal teenager. I'm running out to my car and I'm screaming, why me? Why me? And I was so distraught all the way home. I was driving. I was crying. And I just ran up and went to bed, bawling my eyes out. And I said, Tracy, you have two choices. You can be better or you can be bitter. What are you going to choose? And at that moment, I said, I'm going to be better. And I've tried. I mean, none of us are perfect, but I've tried every (laughs) single day. Now going into my 45th year, I'm doing it every day, trying to be better and not bitter. Still hearing all these things in my voice. You know, you're never going to be able to have children. You're never going to be able to live a normal life. You're going to be dead in 20 years. I mean, wouldn't you be, I mean, wouldn't you be kind of scared and sad and everything, Diane? Right? Uh, well, absolutely. And I have a heart for diabetes because mm. my daughter, uh, she had passed away uh, 24 years ago and part of it was complications with diabetes. So yep. there is danger. Uh, my mm-hmm. brother has it. I have two nieces who have it. 
So this is, people just think it's all about shots, Tracy. They just yep. take a shot and everything's okay. It's not, no, yep. that's, that's not it. No, that's I'm so it. sorry for your loss. And this is yeah. interesting that we're together doing this, talking about this. But, you know, the only thing I was allowed to eat as a 17-year-old child was celery that I didn't have to think about. You know, back then, it's, it's a little different now with the technology that we have. But back right. then, celery, you know, my friends are going out for pizza. My friends are doing all the fun things. And right. I just sit there and watch. But again, I chose to be better and not bitter. And so every decade, I do something big to celebrate. And I say that in quotes, celebrate <laughs> my diagnosis. Because right. I've always been about, you know, we all have challenges in business and health. Like, I mean, like you just mentioned your family, you know, we right. all have challenges in relationships, but when we decide to be better and not bitter, things start changing. So as my 40th anniversary of my diagnosis, so 57 years old, I decided, Hmm, I'm going to ride my bicycle from the golden gate bridge in San Francisco to the Brooklyn bridge in New York city. And that's what I did. That's what I did to celebrate living 40 years with diabetes. And I learned so many tools along that ride. And it's amazing how many people, just like you, I met with family members with diabetes. Mm -hmm. I met a lady and I just love sharing this story. And she's given me her permission. I never use her real name, but I was in Sacramento on day, I don't know, two or three. And I was just sitting at a light ready to, for it to turn green. And a lady, I could see her corner of my eye at the bus stop. And she said, oh, must be nice to be able to ride your bike across the city. And I said, well, I'll actually going to New York City. But I had that gut feeling, you know, just that gut feeling you get right. and yeah. get off your bike, Tracy, and go over and talk to her. So I started talking to her and sweet lady, probably in her mid thirties, morbidly obese. And she was telling me she couldn't even go around the block to walk home. She was wow. waiting for her brother to pick her up. And so the health coach and me started coming out saying, okay, so can you, you know, walk to the end of your street? No, I can't. I can't even walk around the block. So I started asking her things and she kept saying, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. And just like when you need hope, better to bitter. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these things you need to say, I can versus I can't. So I said, could you walk to your, into your driveway? And just at that split second, <laughs> she said, I think I can. I'm like, yes. So I said, walk to your, into your driveway and walk back, just do this, you know, and then take a break and do it again and do this every day. Then walk next door, which is where her best friend lived. And she could not even walk next door. I mean, wow. it was just so sad, but this is where it gets so amazing. Just before I was riding my bicycle into New York City, again, I met her in Sacramento. She sent me a text message and she said, I just want to let you know, I signed up for my first 5K walk. Y'all, she wow. was walking, not just around <laughs> her block, but she was walking every day. She got up to a mile, a mile and a half, two miles every day. She was doing something different. So small steps equals big changes. And that right. was such a joy for me. And I met people along the route just like that, you know. So if you're struggling, trying to find hope, what I always tell everybody is get a team, get somebody to encourage you because we're not here to be alone. We're, we're in this world together and we've got yeah. to help encourage each other. For example, one day I was riding my bicycle in Nevada up what they call Killer Hill because it's 3,800 feet of elevation and less than 12 <laughs> miles. It was a killer hill. The road right beside you on the right-hand side 
you fell, you would die. I mean, it was instant death. I mean, there was no guardrails or anything, but people kept honking their horns and screaming and saying, you've got this, you can do this. And, you know, those people were on my team. And it was so important for me to always for 44, almost 45 years now, find people. My doctor, everybody boos and says bad things about those doctors and all the people in the hospital when I was diagnosed. But actually, it helped me because I started thinking, I'm going to show you. So I had the reverse effect. So many people just give up hope and they're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so I always tell people, no matter what you're struggling with, if you have breath, we have life. We can do anything. Well, 17 is hard. Mm -hmm. My daughter was 12. My brother was uh, probably 15 or 16. So Hearing that awful news that that doctor mm-hmm. had given you, how come Tracy was able to say, I'm going to get better? What What about your personality? What about your life? What about your faith? What gave you, I don't know, the chutzpah, the gumption, <laughs> the drive to say, I'm going to prove him wrong? I guess because at 17, you don't really think that, you know, they're an adult. They don't know anything. I know everything. I'm 17. (laughs) And then when I started doing the research and I started seeing what other people around the world, not so much in our country, but around the world were doing, I thought, wait a minute, I can do this. And I realized quickly the three things that you have to do to take good care of yourself. And that's, you got to have the right mindset. You got to eat the right kind of foods and you have to move. I mean, that was, that was paramount, but What is so remarkable about my story Mm -hmm. is I have two healthy children and I'm a grandmother. And again, (laughs) all these people said, you can't, I have no complications. I, that's my faith. I I understand because to me, it's a calling. And when I started really, it took me a few months to really get through the depression because it's, it is, this is Mm -hmm. not, I mean, I'm going to have it till the day I die or until I'm healed, whichever comes first, you know, (laughs) but, but, you know, the thing is though, you have to, to me, it's surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. And yes, there are temptations out there, but I learned again at 17, I kept, I started playing the mind games with myself. So when my friends were all eating pizza, I would imagine this is gross, but I would imagine mice running over the pizza and they were going to the bathroom (laughs) on it. So I was telling myself, who in their right mind would eat this junk? This is nasty. And the same thing with hot fudge sundaes that I liked. I would imagine broken up glass. I mean, so I started learning way before visualization became popular, things like right. that. And then when I decided, okay, I'm not going to go exercise today, or I'm going to eat something that I know I shouldn't, I would imagine, I would imagine my legs being amputated because I'm a very active child. I was always active. I'm active okay. today. I have more energy in my 60s than I did in my 30s, 40s, 50s. We laugh because our kids are like, we and our grandkids are now like one of our little grandbabies. He's 11 now. He said, well, you know, if Mimi's involved, we're going to do something active because that's the way my grandkids see me, you know, because I want to be the example. But I do believe um, you mentioned faith. So I'm going to say I'm I'm a Christ follower and I believe that God has purpose for me. And I know he allowed this to happen for a reason, and he didn't allow this to happen for me to have self-pity. And so every day, everything I do is trying to help people realize no matter what you're going through, keep right. fighting, keep fighting, because without hope, we have nothing. And that's been my tagline for 44, almost 45 years now, because without hope, I had no hope. 
And I developed because I realized the importance of hope. That's why I love your podcast. I think that is amazing, especially today. We need more hope now right. than we did back in the mid seventies. You know, I, I know. I, I that's what I feel. It, it's timely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just go back a little bit to your mindset and learning mm-hmm. about that. And you said that that's such an important mm-hmm. message, especially with so many people. So there's someone I love and her favorite word is I can't, you know, mm-hmm. she's struggling. Mm-hmm. And what she says is I can't, I can't, I can't. How do you help people get to, I can well, you kind of have to just keep asking those questions. Like the lady I mentioned, Lucy in Sacramento, again, not a right. real name, but everything she said was, I can't. Well, when you really listen to people and you start realizing that, and sometimes it takes people a long time to understand. I have a client, I, he, I'm no longer working with them on a weekly basis, but their clients, their family, I don't even call them clients. I call them family, but it took him so long to even admit He couldn't even think the right way. I can't, I can't, I can't. But when we break down small things, we have big results. And so, you know, people always say, oh, you want me to exercise? I'm like, no, you have to want to exercise. You want me to eat healthy? (laughs) No, you have to. So it's it's a mind shift change. It's just Mm. constantly rechanging our thoughts. I mean, our thoughts are powerful. We have so many negative thoughts every day. And the last mm-hmm. two years, if that hadn't taught us anything, you know, we know the importance of having a right mindset. And so I still, to this day, listen to, you know, podcasts just like yourself, you know, about hope. I listen to, you know, inspirational things. Every day I get on and read something small and inspirational. I spend time in the word every morning because like I said, okay. I'm a faith, you know, I'm a faithful person. And right. without that, I realize it's not about me. It's about something more important, which in my opinion is God. But I know we all have differing opinions and that's okay. Right. But find something that keeps you thinking it the world doesn't revolve around me. And then when you think I can't, then you start thinking about oh, wait, maybe I can. So for example, you're trying to lose 50 pounds. I had a client one time that needed to lose 150 pounds. And she kept saying the same thing. I can't, I can't. And I said, of course you can't lose 150 pounds, but could you lose a pound this week? And she's like, Oh yeah, I could do that. So then, you know, you just start working, you know, you got to break those big goals down, whatever it is, which makes us think I can't, maybe it's cleaning out your house or organizing or something like that. Well, if you say I can't, well, okay, but take one little section. And for me, if I would have left, even the person who never tries to say I can't, but I'm human, you know, if I would have left the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and it said, I have 3,527 miles to get to New York City, I would have said, maybe I can't, but every day I'd get on my bicycle and I'd ride and I'd get closer and closer. So I knew I could because every day it's just something small. You know, you don't see the, you know, you don't see the movement you're making. You don't see the improvement until you get to your end result. But then it's like, wow, look what I did. So that's what your friend, I would really highly recommend your friend, listen to your podcast, which obviously probably (laughs) does, but you know, but break those goals down to find something. And sometimes just like we do with little children, you know, when you don't, when you have a toddler, you don't have that toddler get up and run or whatever, ride a bicycle, 
but you start working with them little by little. So their self, you know, their self-esteem improves their, they know they can do something and then, but it's all got to be small little steps because if we try to go from San Francisco to New York city on a bicycle, you're not going to make it. If you're trying to quit smoking, if you're trying to quit drinking, if you're trying to exercise, eat healthier, you start making changes. And then intuitively you're going to say, Oh, I got to have this, or I can't do that. No, don't say that. I can do anything I want. That's what I, that's what I say all the time. Still to this day, I can eat anything I want, but I don't, I do what works best for me. I eat to live. I don't live to eat. So those kind of things, you know, it is a mind thing. It takes a long time, but simple little things, you start training your mind. It's just like self-control muscle. I always tell people that, you know, we have muscles on our body that improve, but when, you know, when you think about your mind, you can improve your mindset. It's just like a muscle in your body. Well, what, uh, for people who are having those big goals, like mm-hmm. losing 150 pounds or mm-hmm. crossing, I couldn't even walk across <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge. It was too shaky for me. I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> like this. <laughs> so you're talking about the mountains. and about, I'm like, no, I couldn't do that. I, I mm-hmm. need a flat surface to go. What are things that they have to start believing so that they can start changing their mind. We have to start believing in something, someone, mm-hmm. some why that's going mm-hmm. to get us going. So what is your advice for that? How do we well, just get started to change well, our mind? I love what you said about the why. I mean, the why is so important. We have to have a why. For me, it was, I want to show these doctors. And then I started saying, <laughs> why do I care what other people think? Just do what you want. I mean. You know, you gotta you gotta start making changes. And of course, not everybody can ride their bicycle across the country. I couldn't have done it if I hadn't been doing something every day for 44 years. Or at that time it was 40 years. I rode my bike <laughs> across the country when uh, from right. my 40th anniversary. But you know, it's it all starts with surround yourself with the right people, but know your why, like you said, because I I wanted to have children more than anything. That's what my goal was as a child and even as a teenager. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to be a grandma. I mean, all the things that typical, I mean, you know, back in the 70s, most girls thought. And I kept thinking, what can I do to make that happen? Well, now my kids are all grown and gone, but I want to be there for my grandkids. And we always try to show examples to not just our grandkids, but, you know, we're both in our 60s, my husband and I, and we try to show people, you know, their aches and pains and everything. And we're like, no, don't focus on what hurts. Focus (laughs) on what you can do. You know what I mean? So find something you enjoy, know your why and start doing it. And maybe it may be like I'm working with somebody right now who doesn't like salads, who doesn't like vegetables. I'm like, okay, don't beat yourself up. You know, because again, small steps equal big changes. So that's what I would recommend is, you know, find that one little spark that gives you hope because everybody deep down, Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. You know, as long as you have breath, you can develop hope. It takes the time. It does take time. But then read stuff. Listen to music. Listen to good podcasts. Don't always mess your mind up with watching negative things because there's a lot of negative things right now. I think that that's what people don't realize, too, that when they're feeling hopeless, 
so much of it is through a lot of things that they're they're thinking at that moment. You know, we, we get immersed in these thoughts and it can just circulate. Mm-hmm. And if we can just just pause and even at times listen to it, listen to that chatter that's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. But we're so used to it that we almost ignore it like I'm just going to ignore it. And, and it's not. We have to squash it. We have to replace it with something that will bring us hope that that that's essential. There's no other way that we we can get around it. So for people who, you know, if you're looking at these big goals, again, and you said, make them into manageable pieces. Mm -hmm. One of the things when you're looking at at weight loss, we'll we'll just Mm -hmm. say that everyone's telling you that you can lose 150 pounds in three minutes. You know, it's, it's that immediate Mm -hmm immediate way. So how do you respond to your clients who have really big goals at that point to not feel that's an immediate? And what is the benefit of it not being immediate, but it being something that you worked for? It's that dig, but you just said working for something, you have pride in it. And this is not, I mean, yeah, there's, there's all those pills out there that you can take that don't work and you don't want to do that. But we all want instant results because, you know, we Mm -hmm. have microwaves, we have, you know, TV shows, we don't have to watch commercials in. I mean, it's all, our lives are so different now, but this is something you want to sustain the rest of your life. But what I tell people is don't even weigh. Don't even look at the scales. Don't even do that for a while. Mm -hmm. And you start making small changes in your eating, especially in your eating and replacing one food a day that's unhealthy with a healthy food. Add more water, get away from the soft drinks, diet or regular. Do not drink soft drinks. They're so toxic. But when you start making changes within a couple of weeks, now the first couple of weeks, you are going to feel sluggish. You know, sometimes people call it the, you know, detox flu and things like that. But Mm -hmm. once you get through those couple of weeks and you start having more energy and you start feeling better and you're like, what's going on? That's the first thing I get. I'm like, okay, now they're ready to move on because you start making these healthy changes just going for a walk to the end of your driveway and back, you start having more energy. Everybody wants more energy. Everybody over the age of 20, (laughs) the kids don't care. They have energy, you know, but we all want more energy to be able to accomplish what we're supposed to do. But we all want to feel good because there's nothing worse than feeling tired. You know, people say sick and tired of being sick and tired. So just little things, but you can't change too many things at once because then you're going to fail. I mean, that's just human. Okay. You're going to fail. So make a change. And what I try to get people to do, even, you know, people even I talk to is change one thing. Like I mentioned something, there's everybody eats something unhealthy, make that one change. And for me, it's always been, and it still is today, but I don't do it is potato chips. I like the crunchy, salty potato chips, (laughs) but I look at that and I don't, I, does that help me or does it hurt me? Those are the two questions. I'm all about choices. I'm all about questions. And then okay. I'm like, okay, so I want crunchy. So what do you do? Have some carrots or celery or, you know, bell peppers, whatever you like, replace right. it with, or almonds, you know, pecans, it doesn't have to be vegetables. You don't want to eat too much fruit, but fruit is a great way to sap, sap, uh, to stop the cravings of the sugar. You know, there's so right. many things. Sugar is more toxic than even cocaine. And there's so much science out there right now. So when you start replacing the processed foods, you're going to start having more energy. And then the weight just starts coming off naturally. But when you're weighing, you say, I have to lose 150 pounds for your example. And you start weighing yourself every day. You're like, 
I didn't lose any weight or, oh, I lost a bunch of weight. And then, oh, okay, I ate unhealthy. Well, then I'm going to eat unhealthy tomorrow. So it doesn't work that way. It's over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, add water, drink water before every meal if you want to lose weight too. We're all dehydrated because we don't drink enough water. I mean, worldwide, it's not just nationwide, it's worldwide. So when we start drinking more water, then our body is more hydrated and we don't feel like we're hungry because so many times we feel hungry and we're dehydrated. So you just start doing, but don't make too many changes at once. My uh, youngest granddaughter can have a lot of energy. And I remember times saying, we're going to go for a walk so you can burn off that energy. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, I have something that you don't have. I have more energy. <laughs> so but it's the truth. They have so much energy. And mm-hmm. We're always trying to calm them down, sit down, calm down. And there we are. It's just kind of crazy. So what kind of, uh, when you say you, you've written books and such, what mm-hmm. got you started on that? Why did you feel that that was a path that you needed to take? Actually, my physician is the first one that encouraged me to write a book. He said, you know, you've got to write your story because I don't, what's interesting is every physician or doctor I meet or medical person, right. even I meet, they ask me the these two questions, how are you still alive? And what are you doing? When I spoke at Harvard, I got off stage and the doctors were all like, what are you doing? And so my doctor says, you've got to get this in writing because this is going to help people. And so the first book is called Diabetes Tragedy Triumph and lessons I learned over 40 years. And it's all science-based. I never do say, take a magic pill, you know, because those don't, those don't work. We're not jacking the beanstalk. I mean, you know, and then (laughs) my second book was Ride for Hope, which chronicled my 3,527 mile bicycle ride across the country. And then my third book I wrote, it wrote with my husband, believe it or not, of all things. And we wrote, we wrote the book called Longevity Codes because it's taken him quite a long time of, I never pressure anybody. And it's really difficult to live with somebody who doesn't have the same mindset, who doesn't want to be healthy. But when you nag somebody, it doesn't work. And one day, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, he said, you know what, I'm ready for to make a change. So he started going with me and listening to the research, you know, doing everything I was doing. And then he's now, I don't know, he's lost 35, 40 pounds, something like that. He's kept it off and he's off all of his medication. And now he's the biggest proponent of, you know, we got to get people healthy, you know, because so many people as we age, especially, you know, everything starts deteriorating, but I don't think that's, I don't think it's a flaw. I think it's because what we're doing to ourselves and especially the toxicity in the, you know, in the world that we live in and everything, Right. but, but you know, just little things, I keep saying it, but I can't stress it because people are like, yeah. you know, but he told me something big. It's nothing it's, big because if you big, it's, you're going to fail. I mean, that's what it is, you know? Well, the so first thing he did, you said, was he changed his mind. Right, right, right. And <laughs> he it was changed prob- his mind. Uh-huh. And he, cause you know, he's now, you know, our grandkids are getting older, you know, and we want to spend, be active with them. And it's so much fun because, you know, I, you know, one of our other granddaughters, she said, our friends don't have grandparents like you. And I'm like, are we bad? And she's like, no, they never want to go hiking. They don't want to go bike riding. They don't want to go running. And so it's kind of now it's more fun, but he's all on board and he feels better again in his sixties than he did even in his fifties. And so there is hope to always feel better. It's just, again, you got to know your why it's a choice. Everything in life is a choice. Do you want a donut or do you want an apple? 
Do you want to sit and watch TV all night? Or do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go bike riding? Whatever, but you got to find activities you enjoy. That is so important because I love to run. I love to run. My husband can't stand it. He likes to ride bikes. So on days that I run, he does something different, but then we go bike riding together, you know? And Mm -hmm. if you have a significant other that doesn't like to do the same things you like to do, there are so many clubs out there, running clubs, bicycling clubs, yoga. I mean, everything find if you really need to start exercising. And that's the thing that people really don't like. And that's why I don't call it exercise. I call it move. But for this reason, I'm going to call it exercise. (laughs) But, you know, find something you enjoy again, because you'll do it over and over again. But join a class, even if it's online, if you don't want to get out, go online, because then you're going to have people keeping you accountable, like, Hey, Susie, why weren't you there today? You know, and those kind of things. And even when I trained to run long distances, I still join running clubs, even though I'm a certified personal trainer, I'm a wellness coach. I mean, even though I know all the things, but it's all about finding people that's going to keep you accountable. Because you know, at 530 in the morning, if your friends are out there running and you don't show up, they're going to give you some grief. And that's why I always say, and, you know, keep, keep things in your car, you know, for the stay at home moms or the stay at home dads or the dads that kids that have soccer practice, you know, throw in a pair of tennis shoes that's in your car and go for a walk during their practice. You know, I have stand up desks. I don't sit down very much because I don't like to sit down. I have more energy and I don't want to, but do different things like that and stand up throughout the day because standing is so important. If we sit too long, it's not good for our bodies. And I don't want those aches and pains, you know, in my seventies and eighties, you know, like so many people that have in their fifties and sixties. Right. To do that. Well, one question I wanted to know is how long did it take you to make that bike ride? Okay. I could have done it much faster. It took me three months because I did so many, I did so many TV. I could have done it in six weeks, but I had so many TV appearances along the way. I spoke at camps, spoke at hospitals and finished on the Dr. Oz show. And we had to work with their schedule to, you know, their taping schedule, but also we shot a documentary. So it was, we were, we were working, I mean, full time, you know, my husband, um, we had to buy an RV because you have to keep your insulin cold. I just said, I'm going to go f- ride my bike across the country. And my husband said, um, what are you going to do with your insulin? I'm like, Whoop, didn't think of that, you know? So we bought an RV so I could keep my refrigerator uh, insulin cold. And then we'd meet up every night and then, you know, he would upload all my videos. I did a lot of videos, did a lot of interviews. And because it was yes to celebrate and to show people that you can do whatever you want to do, but also mm-hmm. I had to provide hope because there were so many people that I met along the way. I met a lady that was recovering from cancer and she's like, my doctor kind of said the same thing. And I said, well, do you believe him? And she said, well, he's a doctor. And I'm like, doctors know the medical stuff, but you know, I use my psychology degree and I'm like, you know, without hope we have nothing. And as long as you have breath, you can do anything. So, I mean, it's just things like that. You got it. You know, it, it just, I met people that uh, it's just amazing. The people that I met all throughout the 3,527 miles that encouraged me. I was able to encourage, but learn so much about how great the United States is. I know you probably have, you know, listeners from around the world like I do, but because I rode across the country, I met people I would have never met if I would have flown back and forth. Just stopping to pause. It just sounds like a great way to see the country. But the Mm -hmm. more important thing is you got to see and talk to people. Mm -hmm. If you're in a car, if you're on a plane, I mean, it's a short term conversation. 
But here, just stopping, did you go through little towns? Did you have special stops with interviews and such? So they knew you were coming. Tracy's right. coming. Yes. So the TV appearances, and I'd already done TV, quite a bit of TV appearances with the release of my book, my first book, because it was it was a big international bestseller. So I got I got really blessed by being able to go do TV, appear, TV appearances when my book first right. came out. So I went to some of those same places, but then other places, they just randomly called me like Dr. Oz, you know, his one of his producers said, Hey, you know, we'd love to get you on the show. And I said, fantastic, let's do it. Cause then again, it's not about me, but we can provide more hope for people. And then I started a foundation for children with type one diabetes who can't afford the technology. And so they blessed us with a big donation, very big donation to start the foundation. Cause people started hearing about it because the two questions people always ask me about my ride is, how many miles did you ride every day? And then number two, what did you listen to on the ride? Music, books, because everybody knows I love the music and I love to read. And I said nothing. And that's one of the benefit. And I'll go back to the miles per day. But when you sit and just are still, yeah, you have to concentrate on hills and mountains and cars and everything. But when you take time just to be still and quiet riding your bike, that's when all of a sudden it, it hit me in Iowa that... I need to start a foundation because a little girl named Sophia, who was nine, she Aww. died um, during my ride because she spent the night with her best friend for the very first time she was away from home, a little girl with type one diabetes, like I have. And they, she, anyway, her blood sugar dropped and she passed away. And I said, not on my watch. God has me here for a reason, not on my watch. And so that's when the foundation, that's when I started thinking about it and going day after day riding. Mm -hmm. And then I started telling, cause I did. I did a lot of Facebook lives and stuff every day in the morning at night. And then I started reaching out saying, what do y'all think of this? And everybody's like, do it, do it. And then number two, the other question is how many miles a day did you ride? It all varied. For example, in Wyoming, I got to ride on the interstate, interstate 80, which was nice because I didn't get lost. I got lost the whole trip, but then you're with, you know, semis riding right beside you. But there every 76 miles I had to stop because that's a rest stop. There's nothing, nothing between, you know? So anyway, I had to stop it every 76 miles to sleep, but in Sacramento, yeah, Sacramento, one day it was 118 degrees when I was leaving and I only rode maybe 50 miles, 45 miles. And I waved the white flag. I said, I can't go any further. 118 degrees. I knew my body. And what good is it going to do for me to be oh. injured, sick, hurt? So I called my husband. I said, I got to get picked up. He's like, really? And then he dropped me off at the same location that next day. So every day, if, if I had to get picked up because of whatever reason, then, mm. you know, he would pick me up and we'd mark it on our GPS and then we'd come back the next morning. So every day was different. I was just kind of led. I was kind of free spirited knowing that once I got to closer to the end of the ride and Dr. Oz, then I knew I had to really slow it down because I didn't want to just stay in New York for a couple of weeks, you know, to do it. Well, and I think there's such a great lesson too, that we're so busy putting stuff in our ears so we don't hear the world, you know, mm -hmm. that if you go for a walk and there's times I'm just saying, I just, I just want to hear the birds chirping. I want to mm -hmm. hear the wind blowing. I just want to feel that. And we do in those quiet spaces. That's when we do hear, mm -hmm. you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to hear God speak. It's hard to hear mm -hmm. our own intuition speak if we're mm -hmm. so busy listening to other things all mm -hmm. the time. So I love yeah. that answer. It's a great yeah. answer just to say, let me just be out here. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so any other and ideas yes. you got while you were driving, <laughs> riding your bike? 
The only thing else that I, I realized the importance of the why. I always knew my why because like we talked about, you know, being 17, but I didn't realize how much that impact. I mean, I've been coaching, I've been coaching for 30 years, health coach, you know, coaching people, but I didn't realize the importance of the why until, you know, I met somebody and somebody would say something, or I would sit there and say this, you know, people, the first question is, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? And I'm like, to provide hope. I mean, why not? You know, what else am I going to do? You know? And, but you, you know, people, especially as we age and I felt at 57, when I did it, I felt like, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. Anybody can do it. Until I started meeting people in their thirties saying I could never do this. I'm like, yeah, you could. So I, you know, again, it goes back to the why, but my purpose on that ride was to inspire people and help people. And then the first little boy that we met on the, he, we met him in Illinois, sorry, Illinois. He, um, he's type one. And his mom was telling us about every two hours all night long, she was waking him up to do a finger stick because their insurance didn't cover continuous glucose monitors and things like that. And so, but all he wanted to do was he wanted to come and meet me because he's never met him. At that time, he had never met anybody else with type one. And so when we walked away, after we hugged and said goodbye, we walked away and my husband said, that's our first recipient. And I said, yes. So we were very blessed to be able to give that little boy. And we still are the, you know, helping them today with their diabetes, you know, technology, because it is so expensive. I know everybody knows the expense of insulin because it's all over the news, but it's, this is a very expensive and difficult disease to control as you well know, Diane. And so right. I'm, you know, I, it's just every day I would learn more about myself and my tenacity of never giving up because there were some tough times. I mean, you know, I'm a Texas girl, live in Texas, and we don't have very many hills or mountains in where we live. And so, you know, I, I, and everybody says, why didn't you start at the East Coast? Because it's easier than going to the West Coast. And I said, no, if it were easy, everybody would do it. So I started the West Coast. So I started hitting those cascades pretty quick, you know, hitting those mountains thinking, ooh, you know, but I never gave up because it's like, you can do it. And so, it's just, again, it's not about me, but what are you struggling with? Whatever your listeners right. are struggling with, you can do it. Just you can't lose hope. Well, I want you to say it again, because I want to make sure that I capture it. You said something about with hope and without hope, there's nothing. Without, and with hope. Without hope, we have nothing. With hope, we have so much hope. And everybody laughs at that because it's like hope and hope. But we have hope. We can do anything. I mean, right. we can do anything we set our minds to. I mean, there are some things you can't do, obviously, you know, but I can't right. go back to 30 years old, but anything <laughs> I can do, I can do if I put my mind to it. But you also have to work with your body to see what your body can do, because there's a lot of people that can't ride 3,527 miles. I did a triathlon to celebrate my 30th anniversary of my, um, my diagnosis, because I'm afraid of water. So I do something every year. I do something every year that I'm afraid of as I was like, just don't let me die, Lord. Don't let me die. You know? So those kind of things, you got to get out of your comfort zone and try new things because yeah. how do you know if you don't try something? I, we, we went whitewater rafting for my husband's 60th birthday years ago, and I'm afraid of water, like I said. And so we went whitewater rafting down the Grand Canyon and hiking out. It was easy. Cause I love to, we love to go backpacking at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. But I tell you one thing I was I had to, I had a scripture in my mind the whole time, every time I was scared, but you have to do things because then I'm like, okay, I could do it again. Cause you know, if you can go the 
the biggest, you know, whitewater rafting in the United States, you can go do anything. So it's just little things, find it, try it. If you don't like it, oh, well, but you tried it. Because what I've Mm. said since I was 17, because I started realizing how close death is. It's just something about Mm -hmm. when you're diagnosed with a chronic disease that we don't go into remission. I mean, we don't have remission. It's every day, day in, day out. But, you know, if you just do something to make yourself better, don't be afraid because I don't want to end up on my deathbed and have any regrets. And so that's what I live by. No regrets. You know, I don't take crazy, you know, I don't take crazy risks, but you know, there's just, so everybody's different. And just because I'm speaking doesn't mean that works for you because we're all different. Like that's, that's so true. We we have to find a different way, but I like your idea of, you know, doing things that are uncomfortable, doing things mm-hmm. that we're afraid of, because it, it, it starts having a new track that we can play in our mind that we go back to and say, remember, I was afraid of water. I went, I, I, you know, did the rapids along the Colorado river. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid, you know, mm-hmm. like it's almost, you have to tell yourself something different mm-hmm. you know, to, to say, I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to inspire where mm-hmm. so many people, you could just say, well, I'm just giving up. I'm at a certain age. I'm just going to mm-hmm. give up. And what I've been inspired by, I moved to Florida seven months ago mm-hmm. is the amount of people in their eighties or just absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm in love with the 80 year olds because mm-hmm. they're just finding a whole new purpose and reason for living. And they're mm-hmm. really going full throttle. They're mm-hmm. like, I, I'm just doing it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to have a good time. I'm going to make sure that, you know, these last couple of years or whatever it might be, that they're mm-hmm. really going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that that we do want to end well, you know, mm-hmm. we just want to end well, like, why would we yeah just try not to do things when there's so much to do. Mm -hmm. So with that, Tracy, what's next for you? (laughs) I was going to do another ride. This time it was just going to be from Canada to Mexico, only 1800 miles, but COVID shut that plan down. And so I don't know what we're going to do next. What I'm going to do. I, um, I I've got the bug to get back in to riding again. I mean, I ride all the time, but to do another long distance ride, but I've got, I'm kind of shifting a little bit. I still, I mean, obviously I have diabetes, but I'm, my heart really is beginning to be more like what you were talking about, the 80 year olds, because what, what prompted my husband and I to write longevity codes that the last book I wrote was because we have a group of friends that are mm-hmm. about our age or younger. And we were sitting around table one night and they were talking about, they can't do this. Somebody has a knee ache. Somebody, you know, they, they just don't want to do it. They can't, they're old, they're tired. Their life is over. And we got in the car and boy, oh boy, I'm a big talker. Anyway, my husband doesn't talk much. He was even talking and we're like, how can we help people? So we, I'm kind of, I'm kind of focusing more on helping people realize no matter your age, my grandmother passed away at 99 and she could do the splits at 90. And I was like, she was still riding horses at 95. I mean, What's you know, splits? So, you know, isn't that what crazy? Are, what, are, what are splits? You know, I don't, well, I'm thinking. We, that's where you, you get down and you kind of lay your legs 
crosswise like oh, that. Okay. Then you said, I thought you were talking about horses and I'm like, okay, just to find oh. that. Okay. Those kind of splits. Was those kind of splits yes. or something? No, no. She, she was a good old country rancher in Texas and she, <laughs> she lived life to the fullest. And my uncle and dad gave her, made her quit driving, I think at 92. And she's like, I'm going to show y'all. So she got a little tri- adult tricycle with a little basket in front and she'd ride to the grocery store every day. That was the best thing they ever did. Cause she'd go talk to all the stock boys and the people in the grocery store but she was writing i mean she was active and she died at 99 within like three days which is what we all want i mean she was a very healthy active woman lived at her own house had nobody taking care of her and then live strong die quickly that's you know that's what we want so (laughs) but i mean that's what we're all gonna die (laughs) yeah we're all gonna die we all are Mm -hmm. yeah and have have a little bit of an idea of that that space in between or as they call it the dash what you're what you're going to do with your dash mm-hmm. so you're gonna because I agree with you I you know when you're listening to people at a certain age and I would be with a bunch of girlfriends and I said what is this that we're talking about like I I, I don't even think it's interesting to be quite honest to say oh my knee hurts my back hurts my neck mm-hmm. hurt it's not an interesting conversation it's not mm-hmm. engaging it's not you know, uplifting, there's nothing hopeful about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you you really have to look at a community. And part of that embracing a community that wants to live a life like you want to live. If you want to still be working, if you still want to be making an impact in the world, then you have to find, as you said before, a community of people who want to do the same Mm -hmm. so that you're, you're moving forward. And there is a power Mm -hmm. to community, especially Mm -hmm. at, at our ages when we're Mm-hmm. You know, we still want to celebrate. We still want to help people. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners today? One last well, dose of inspiration. Like I said a thousand times, and I don't ever lose hope because I guarantee whatever you're struggling with, whatever it is, you can do it. But you, if you lose hope, it's, it's, it's yeah. not a good deal. So don't ever lose hope and you can do it. And I, um, you go to my website. If you ever need any kind of encouragement, it's Tracy, okay. Herbert, H-E-R-B-E-R-T.com and scroll to the bottom of the, the homepage and you can watch a quick three and a half minute recap of my bicycle ride across the country. It's fun. It's cool. You can see some great shots along the country that you probably have never seen before. I was in, um, riding my bicycle from Trunky, California to Reno, Nevada, only supposed to be three hours. Took me seven and a half hours because I climbed over a mountain carrying my bicycle in bear country because I got lost. But, you know, I didn't give up. But those kind of (laughs) things you can see, you can see some fun things like that. And if you're struggling, you know, reach out to me. Let's do a free, you know, strategy call, laser call where we can stop right there. It's free. It's an investment in you and you can do it with just simple little tools, whatever it is, because it might not be health for you. It might be goal setting, or it may just be, you have nobody to encourage you. And if that's the case, we can work Mm -hmm. together again, for free. And I can help you find strategies with what you know, and what you need. There's so many things. I mean, you know, I could go on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year (laughs) and give help. But obviously, we don't want to do that. But anyway, and you can just go on and click on schedule a time with me. And I guarantee I don't sell anything, except I sell hope and, and strategies. Well, that, that is the truth because we do need a big dose of hope. We need mm-hmm. to realize that we 
can do what we set our mind to do. And that, that is the power of coaching, mm-hmm. the power of stories. And you had a mm-hmm. great, incredible story. And I want to thank mm-hmm. you for sharing it with us. And really, um, you, you said it, that the power of hope. There's someone, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but they say you can live so many days without food, so many days without water, so, so many, you know, minutes without breathing, and it's just seconds without hope. And mm-hmm. when you think of how many people who just sort of given up, it's because they're not hoping in anything. And I think we do have to hope in something larger than ourselves. And that's, that's right. as a Christian myself, my, my hope is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that so makes it a lot so easier. Much. Yeah, it does. Thank, thank you so, you much, so much for joining today. And I love what you're doing with your podcast because this is like, like I say, we all need hope. And that, thank you for doing this. This is great what you're doing for the world. Thank you. Do you feel energized about the challenges in your life? Are you willing to be grateful and celebrate those milestones like Tracy has done each year with the diagnosis of diabetes? I hope that you can see through Tracy's story that God has a purpose and plan for our lives. And sometimes these challenges are the platform that he gives us so that we can share a message of hope to others. Please don't ever let others' opinion or diagnosis dictate your future. Instead, seek the author of your life who will guide and direct you to his plans and purpose. Like Tracy, you get to choose how you face the challenges presented to you. I encourage you to be like Tracy and write the story you want to live. Never doubt that your story can inspire, motivate, and encourage and bring hope to others. Decide to celebrate the milestones in your life. Get creative how you want to make an impact. Take a journey of hope. Write a book, start a foundation, or launch a podcast. Please do not shrink away from the challenges you face. Decide to be a guide to others seeking to find a solution. And that's what the Hope Station is all about. Refueling, refreshing, and realigning life with hope. Until next time, thank you for pulling into the Hope Station. Before you leave, I have another free gift for you. What are you looking for in your life? A new career? Stepping into your purpose? Restoring passion in your everyday life? Are you ready to step into the new life God has planned for you? And he does have a plan for you. And that gift is to experience the power of coaching. Coaching helped me through my painful journey when Joe, my husband, died. Coaching eased me through this transition to move to Florida. I wasn't sure why the Lord was bringing me here and what his plans were for me. Coaching gave me clarity. Coaching was essential in making the Hope Station podcast a reality. A dream came true working with my coaches. Coaching also brought hope to hundreds of my clients who stepped into their purpose and passion And it all started with a free consult call. So schedule yours today. To schedule our Hope Chat, otherwise known as a coaching call, you can click the calendar link in the show notes or visit my website, dianebells.com. 
That's D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z dot com. This coaching call could be exactly what you need to ignite a spark of hope in your life. Hope might be just one call away. Why wait? Schedule your call today.